Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa. Dustin, how are you this evening, sir? Doing well, man. Doing well. I wish the Oklahoma State men's basketball team was doing well, but they are not right now, Cade. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel a similar way right now. It's not always the best getting on the podcast after a five-game losing streak in crunch time and then falling all the way out of the field. So, uh, outside of that, I'm doing good, um, but it's it's been a good week, and hopefully you've had one as well, but yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's a great way to open up the podcast and uh, totally agree with you. I, it's, I, I would say now, at this point, just to get right into it, I think they got to win the Big 12 tournament. I think that's the only way they get in. So you don't think, so just to kind of recap where they were at, they're coming off a lost <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> They're coming off a loss Saturday to K-State, 73-68, to which I think watching that game, they had multiple chances to kind of yeah. pull away. They're in the bonus for what felt like the entire game. Then they lose on Big Monday to Baylor, 74-68, to which they had a crazy comeback at the end. That game was pretty much out of reach most of the second half until a late push by the Pokes, yeah. which was impressive. And they got this Saturday, they've got Texas Tech, in Lubbock. Ken Palm currently has that as a loss, 70 to 68. So they're projecting Oklahoma State to finish with only seven wins. So back to your point, if they were to win that game, you still don't think, let's say they win that game, one game in the Big 12 tournament, no way they're in? God, I mean, I guess there is a way. And and let me just say one thing. I'm Thank you for reeling me back in because I was ready to get on here and just <laughs> just fire from the hip. So thank you for reeling me in. That's that's why we work so well together. That's uh, what I'm here for. Big big thanks to you for that. Uh, but yeah, I I do think that it's possible if you win at Texas Tech and then let's say they get OU and beat them for a third time in the Big Twelve Conference tournament. Sure, I think it could happen, but I think to feel safe. I think you need to win at least three more games. And if you win three more games, that basically puts you right at the semifinal of the conference tournament. So again, I think it's from a safety perspective. And I also think that the the committee will look at really the way they're trending, right? I, it's, it's not a good thing to be 0-5 headed into Selection Sunday when you've got teams like North Carolina who really shouldn't have been sniffing the bubble, but the bubble is so weak this year. And then they go get a big win against Virginia. And it's like, okay, do you take them or do you take the team that just lost uh, zero or five in a row, gets a win at Texas Tech? How great really is that? Uh, I, I have concerns, Dustin. And and, and the reality is I, I don't know how they go to Lubbock and win that game the way Texas Tech is playing. And so that's a whole other conversation. But let's focus kind of back on the K-State and Baylor games for just a moment. We'll get into bracketology and things like that. The K-State game, 
and the Baylor game couldn't have looked more different from from the onset. Like Oklahoma State against Kansas State, it was turnovers. It was getting beat on the glass. It was uh, poor shot making. I would say those are the, that's the only commonality you had in both games was poor shooting. And then you get to Monday, they're hammering Baylor on the glass. They don't turn the ball over nearly as often, and they still can't shoot. And they actually shoot worse in this game. I know the end of that game really inflates the stats, but you look at just the opening sequence of that game where they had three wide open looks to uh, to take the lead at the very beginning of the game. They don't get it. Baylor goes down and uh, predictably hits a three, and then it's off to the races after that point. But it really was a microcosm of of the way things had gone over the last several weeks. So. Dustin, I, I, I'm to the point kind of where I was back in November. I have no clue what to expect from this team right now. Yeah, it's just really inconsistent all across the board, except for the poor shooting recently. If you look, like you said, if you look at the box score of the Baylor game and you go through it, a lot of it is due to that late push, but they won the rebounding battle 40 to 32, outscored Baylor in the paint 34 to 18. They had 22 points off the bench. Like you mentioned, they only turned it over 10 times. They got, I believe, nine points off Baylor's turnovers, but then they shoot 28% from three on 32 attempts, 40% from the field, only go to the line nine times and make just five of them. The shooting has just been so bad. And then in a game where Caleb Boone plays 19 minutes, only gets six points, when Oklahoma State isn't shooting anywhere near 35-ish, 36-ish percent from three, and Caleb Boone isn't going off, there's really they don't really have any chance to win any of these games recently when they're playing like that. And not that many teams would when they're shooting that bad from three. But like and then the Kansas State game, Caleb Boone goes off, but they have they shoot even worse from three in that game. 22%, five of 23 from three point range. They've like you mentioned, they've kind of held back on the turnovers and you look at the rebounding numbers and they've got all these offensive rebounds, but it's because they're missing all these shots. So it's just, it's like they're struggling to piece it all together when, when they were on that five game winning streak and seven out of eight, they were able to piece all those things together. Even the games, they didn't have Avery Anderson. So it's, it's hard to, it's hard to predict this next game against tech just like you alluded to, I have no idea what's going to happen. Oklahoma State could win the game, and I wouldn't be shocked, or they could lose it, or they could lose by 20, and I wouldn't be shocked. I mean. At this point, it feels like they're either going to win or they're going to get blown out. Like, that, that's, that's been the, the, the span between the results of these games. The Baylor game, it's a six-point final result. It was a 19-point deficit with six minutes to go. So it was a different game than the final score makes it look, and that's uh, really the thing that can't get lost in this. And a lot of people will look at the stat sheet and say, well, they're shooting 32 threes. Why are they shooting that many? Dustin, if you go back and watch that game, You've got to take those shots, I think. Baylor's kind of packing the paint. They're giving it to you. If you shoot 35%, do you win that game or do you get close to winning it? Do you Are you at least much more competitive? I think so. Well, they missed seven 
They missed yeah. their first seven attempts from three. And I think, I mean, several of them were really good shots. Yeah. You know, maybe I don't love Woody Newton taking, I think he took kind of two in a row. Yeah. He's maybe not my favorite guy to take that many, but he can knock them down and they were open. So I don't, I don't know really what else you do. Like you said, and we haven't even mentioned yet Musa Cisse leaving the game with an ankle, coming back in. Apparently, he asked Coach Boynton if he put him back in. Tyreek Smith goes down with an injury. Are these guys going to be 100% for the Texas Tech game? Probably not. That makes it even worse. I, you know, I said on the last podcast, I thought they were going to get the K State game, which they almost did, lose to Baylor and then win the Tech game. With those two guys banged up, and just kind of the morale where it is right now, this team, which I don't think they're down on themselves. I think more like momentum wise, they're just down right now in Texas tech. Like you mentioned at the beginning of our basketball talk is kind of trending up right now. I don't know how they go in there and win this game. And then we're saying that and watch them go out and win. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It would be totally typical of this team to go out and go on a run right here and get back in the tournament. Like that's, that's the type of season they've had. And you look at, I know we focused on the Baylor game because it's so recent, but the K-State game is really another second-half collapse from Oklahoma State. And it's it's a theme that has taken place from literally the beginning of the year. How long were they in the bonus in the second half? Was it like 14 minutes? It was 14 minutes they were in the bonus. How do you and they were win the- a game when, you have, when you're in the bonus for that long? Yeah, just, you, you start settling for jump shots and not defending the perimeter, I would say, is how you lose it, because that's exactly what happened. They 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 settled for jumpers in a game where they have a distinct advantage in the paint. They had Kansas State's big in foul trouble for most of that game, and they had a distinct advantage there. You mentioned Caleb Boone had a great game. He did. He had 18 points on 7 of 11 field goals. And they started settling for jump shots. And really, Dustin, where I think the rubber met the road in that game was the freaking turnovers. It was unbelievable watching us try to get a ball inbounded. And it's either flying across the court, it's into the short corner, and it gets picked off. I mean, I I think they had three turnovers on Oklahoma State's side of the court on an inbounds pass that led directly to Kansas State points. And it's like you you just circle those plays because those are the ones that lose you game. The other thing that stuck out to me in that game, Cade, is 39 minutes from your bench players, eight points. Yeah. Eight points in 39 bench minutes. I mean, they come back, they come back the next night or the next game at Baylor and score 22, which is better. But you can't get eight points in almost 40 minutes from your bench. You've got to get more. I mean, Chris Harris has played 25 minutes in the past two games, and he has zero points on five field goal attempts. It's it's a question to be asked is, is the bench too deep right now that, like, are you playing too many guys? Because I, I, I believe we right We said now, that at the beginning of the season, we had that well, question. And it hasn't on. changed. It hasn't changed, and the, the depth has shown itself to not be quality depth. And I mean, if it's a conditioning thing, which I struggle to imagine because you've got Bryce Thompson playing 39 minutes with two fouls. I think Caleb Asbury, you know, if he gets in foul trouble, which he did in the Kansas State game for personal fouls, I don't know what else you're supposed to do. But if you go watch like Kansas, they play six guys like they play six and then a plus one at times, which could be your key on Williams. But Chris Harris, 
I mean, has has really not given you much. And you hate to single one guy out because it is not all his fault. But he was uh, built up to be this shooter. And I, I don't remember the last one that went in. And it's unfortunate because he's clearly got the green light. You would love a shot fake and a dribble to the basket at this point. But apparently you're not going to get that. So, And if you take Keon's numbers away in the Baylor game, his 12 points, you've got another 40-plus minutes from the other three guys. 10 points. Yeah. Chris Harris, Tyreek Smith, and Musa Cisse. And I, I know those guys aren't big time point scorers. It's just if you're going to play them that many minutes, they have to get you more production on offense. They have to. Yeah. Somebody has to score off the bench. And Keon yeah. did in that game. I'm, I'm just making the point that if you look at those two games from those two players, you're looking at eight or those three guys, you're looking at like 18 total points. Yeah. What's going on with Musa? It, it, it's a weird thing right now where he was an offensive weapon early on in the season. And you go look at that OU game. He had 18 points, eight of 10 shooting. Is that just an outlier? Is it that simple? He, he seemed to be in this. Maybe this is just my guess. He seemed to be really, really timid coming back yeah. from that injury. At first you saw like at times he would not jump for the alley-oop. When he would, it maybe would look a little bit different. And he seemed to get a little more confident. And then he goes out in the Baylor game and looks to hurt himself again. And no no shot at him because he's asking Coach Point to put him back in the game. But I think that first injury just really messed him up as an offensive player. I think it kind of took away some of his confidence and his ability to get up and dunk over people. And he started taking some of these shots a little bit farther away. And he, he was making them at first, but then it turned into, they started looking a little bit, you know, off and he's, you know, completely missing the rim at times. And I think just overall, I think he just lost his confidence on the offensive end. Yeah. It's, it's been tough because it appears that way. It appears that he can be timid around the rim. I mean, how many bunnies did Oklahoma State between Caleb Boone and Musa Cisse miss on Monday night? That game probably looks a little bit different if you're if your starting center doesn't go three for ten from the field. That's a big deal. And they were all really around the rim and good looks against an undersized team. So there's a lot of reasons why this is happening. I think a couple of things. One, the loss of Avery Anderson is a much bigger deal than I think I thought. I think maybe even you and I both thought at the time, but this is not all Avery Anderson. It can't be just Avery Anderson that causes all of this. I think where you see the deficiencies now are defensively, and you don't have somebody that can go lock down the opponent's best score. I think he would have done a, a number on LJ Cryer, at least would have given you a chance on Monday night. But additionally, you've got guys missing wide open shots and they're, you know, a career 40, almost 40% three-point shooter in Caleb Asbury going two for 10. It's like, I, I know the coach can only scheme up the open looks and they were there Monday night. And this is not all Avery Anderson's absence causing all of this. And teams have, teams have also, I think, figured out how to kind of account for Woody Newton on the offensive end, take away some of those cuts, make him uncomfortable. He's not been shooting very well recently, even on open shots. So I, I think that little spark that they had from Woody in that, in that winning streak it's kind of it's kind of died down a little. Would you say? I I would definitely say so. And he does look uncomfortable. He looks to be um, 
aggressive and a little bit out of control at times. And uh, out of control usually looks like I don't exactly know where to go. And that's been the case once those teams started to understand, hey, Woody's probably cutting. And and I Oklahoma State tried to do some of that against Kansas State. It worked early. I know they tried to run some against Baylor, and Baylor really did a nice job defending that. So no question. And I think the only guy we haven't really talked about, besides you mentioning the amount of minutes he played in the K-State game, is Bryce Thompson. He just he's honestly been kind of consistent recently just getting to double figures i guess he only had nine before he fouled out in the baylor game but i think he was on a streak of like seven games in a row in double digit points but just not very not normally very efficient i guess a little bit more efficient in the k-state game so he's the only one i feel like at least has been kind of consistent even if it's not always positive across the board stat wise but yeah, it's just the inconsistency, inconsistency like we talked about. And hey, to kind of wrap it, bring it all back to the beginning, bracketology-wise, when we were talking about it, Lenardi has Oklahoma State now as one of the first four out, and he has West Virginia as one of the last four in, which is still a little confusing to me. I get the non-conference stuff, but with them having less conference wins is a little odd. Yeah, And then Palm for CBS has them completely out. And Kate, can I read you what he wrote in his article? Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear it. No team has received an at-large bid with a worse record than two games above 500 in the 30 years I've been tracking data. Oh, wow. And only one team has received an at-large bid at two games over 500. In order to guarantee finishing two games above 500 and still be an at-large candidate, Oklahoma State needs to win at Texas Tech on Saturday. OSU should not count on getting in with a record that poor, though. As a result, the Cowboys fell off the bracket and are now the first team out of the field of 68. That's according to him. So what does that point to, Dustin? Southern Illinois, Central Florida. Those two losses early in the season, very clearly rearing their head. Because if you look at the Big 12 standings right now, Oklahoma State is not that dissimilar from Iowa State. They are not dissimilar from West Virginia. Both teams projected in the field. So what's the difference there, Dustin? Central Florida, and a loss at home to Southern Illinois early in the year. That's really the only thing I can think of that's that's causing this anchor right now. In those two games, at the end of regulation, Oklahoma State was only down by one point combined in those two games because they lost the UCS game by four in overtime. So, so close to winning both of those games. And then if you throw in Virginia Tech, who's 76th, according to Ken Palm, which is another or loss, they only lost that one by five points and had a chance to win that one as well. So we talked about these three games on the last podcast, but you just wish you could have those back because if you get those three wins, you're looking at what? They'd be 19 and 11? Correct. Still 7 and 10 in the Big 12, but if you get that eighth win, get yourself to 20? 1911 is a is a lock and you're probably fighting for a 7 seed in the NCAA tournament with your conference. That's probably where you're at right now. And I, I mean look at again, look at Iowa State. If they're in the tournament, Oklahoma State should be in the tournament, but they don't have the resume. They do not have a glistening resume and I think that's a huge problem for them right now. And so there's there's a lot of reasons for it, Dustin. It's unfortunate that it's hit this point and that a game both of these games, November 10th 
November 18th. We're all the way to March 1st. It's really unfortunate that those games way back then, it feels like a different lifetime ago, could be the games that do you in. They matter. They just matter. Yeah, it's tough. One positive is I think Caleb Boone is on pace to break like the all-time field goal percentage record at Oklahoma State. He's sitting at 60.2 wow. for his career, I believe. I, that might have changed a little bit after the Baylor game. I think that was after K-State. So he's going to be the first Cowboy in program history to shoot 60% or better from the field in multiple seasons if that holds true. So yeah. pretty wild stuff there. Pretty awesome season all around from Caleb Boone despite some of these games at the end of the run that haven't looked as great from him. Yeah, a gifted offensive player, and I think Oklahoma State's going to miss him a lot. We don't have to get into next season and the roster, but this team's going to look a lot different, and I will be very curious to see what Mike Boynton does about that. They're going to have to hit the portal hard, and they're going to have to look at, does the scheme fit? Yeah, two point guards. They're going to need two. (laughs) Does the scheme that they're running now fit a, a, a... uh, mass entrance of portal guys. I, I'm I'm going to go with no. So that's where I'm at. So before we wrap up basketball, your projection, no way they make it? I'm not going to say that. I think I think that they have a chance, but I don't think they're going to – I'm not going to pick them to beat Tech at this point. I, that's a tough game. If they beat Tech – I think there's obviously still a chance, and I agree that you know winning the Big 12 tournament could be the only possibility, but I think there's a chance they could beat Tech, win a game or two in the Big 12, and still sneak in. However, mm-hmm. I'm going to pick them, even though I picked them previously to beat Tech, just after watching these last two games, I'm going to pick them to, to lose that one. But now I think they'll probably win since I picked them to yeah. lose. Well, we both both serial optimists, you and I, just picked them to lose. So they're going to win on Saturday. I'll say this: I think they probably still think they have a shot, and they should. That that the season is not over yet. If you win this game and go on a run, there is still life left. Texas Tech is not in the same boat. They just lost a heartbreaker in Lawrence last night. I think that it's a winnable game. I'm just not sure that they're going to fix some of the things that are broken right now, but. It's a good matchup. They they do not shoot the ball well. They do not necessarily have a big that can they can throw at Caleb Boone. It's a good matchup and a winnable game. I'm just not sure they get it done. So, Dustin, it'll be fun. I, I'll say this next week. You won't be on the podcast. I'll be I'll be solo. I may have a little surprise for you guys, but it will primarily be around this because by then. We will have an idea of what Oklahoma State needs to do. We'll have a real kind of bracketology projection. Everything up until that point is kind of speculation. I think next week you'll start to get a really good understanding of who's in, who's out, who stole a bid, things like that. So look forward to next week, and let's get let's get a couple wins. I, w- I would love that. Yeah, it sucks being this negative. It feels like the end of football season where they went on that losing streak. So Yeah, it does. It really does. It would be great to end the season with a win. But Kate, I think I think that's all I've got on basketball. Yeah. Well, well, let's flip it over to football, Dustin. Obviously, some big news uh, around OSU athletics as a whole, but as it relates to football, some great additions coming facility wise. Yeah. So Chad Weiberg and Oklahoma State. I think it was actually from Oklahoma State's Twitter account teasing the special announcement this past Sunday that Oklahoma State was 
unveiling this new facilities vision for athletics. That's going to be approximate cost of 325 million. Chad Weiberg has the presser. If you haven't listened to it, you can go check it out. I think it's still up on YouTube. I'm sure it's on OSU max as well. There's going to be a new football operations center, new wrestling training facility, new softball stadium, indoor track, new training center for basketball, upgrades to the equestrian center, upgrades to Karsten Creek, apparently to make it more difficult, which I don't, I seems pretty I've, difficult to me already as a I've heard, terrible golfer. I've heard but. some, I've heard some rumors, Dustin. <laughs> I've heard some rumors. Just watch out for your favorite par three is all I, I would say about that. <laughs> They're going to repurpose some areas in the west end zone of Boone Pickens Stadium and Gallagher-Iba for student-athlete services, a few other things, but it's looks awesome. The only downside, Kate, is after listening to Chad Weiberg, they don't really have any donors, I think, lined out that they want to announce. They said they're not going to take on any additional debt, so that's a good thing. That's the plan is to not take on any additional debt, but it's really just a roadmap. I heard Kenny Gajewski talking about it in an interview that he did on OSU Max, talking about the softball um, opening weekend in Stillwater. And he mentioned right now they're just drawings. And that that kind of is all they are. But it's cool to just see see that we have a plan in place. Kid, I wanted to ask you, maybe not like, you don't have to say like what your favorite thing is, but what thing would you... What, what do you think they'll do first or what do you want them to do first? You can answer it either way. Ooh. I think they're going to build the Human Innovation Center first. They had announced it the day before. I don't know if you caught that. I, I, I may be misnaming it as well, which it's not that big of a deal. But I think they're going to do that first. And following that, it's anybody's best guess. But, uh, I mean, is this something that won't be done till? You think like 2035, you think this is a multi, yeah, multi, multi-year timeline. Yeah, I, I think I think my daughter is going to be in high school by the time this is like shaping up. <laughs> yeah, we'll be we'll be old or I mean, we'll still be young. Yeah, we'll be, we'll be young, feeling but... like 45 that much. I can guarantee you. <laughs> I, I, Cade, uh, I, I agree with you on that. And obviously they're doing the stadium renovation stuff right now, which I believe that is being serviced by debt, the $55 million stadium oh, nice. project. So that is not donor initiated, but Weiberg said that's the only thing that's going to be debt service. So hopefully that's, that stays the case and they get donors for everything. That would be great. I personally... The new wrestling training facility sounds awesome because I know wrestling needs updated facilities. Personally, though, just selfishly, I want to see the new softball stadium because it's you can't get softball season tickets right now. There's a wait list. It's hard to even get into the games. We talked about the Florida State game there. Tickets are going on sale, I think, this week for this weekend, and then I think they'll go on sale again for the Florida State series at home. So. I would love to see that. Obviously, the things like the Equestrian Center and the Carson Creek Golf Course are really cool, but those, I don't think, you know, that's not really fan events as much. I think the indoor track, I hope they do put stands in there. I heard them talking to uh, Dave Smith, the track the track coach. I think that's I right. talking to him. Robert Allen was talking to him, and he didn't sound sure if they were going to have stands or not. I think that would be cool if they did. I think it'd be fun to go watch the track and field events, the indoor yeah, track G- events. I know 
it's a little tough to watch, you know, the long races and stuff like that, but I think it would be fun. Drink some beers, throw some shot put. Who wouldn't love that? <laughs> hey, my, my, my girlfriend, now wife, obviously when we were dating, uh, she was in track all through high school. So dude, I, I know, I know what it's like to sit through those events. Let me tell you. And I know what it's like <laughs> to sit through them in the cold Kansas winter. I can promise you that. But so this in terms of, Oh, oh that, well, that's a really good point. We don't even have to worry about that. So, um, <laughs> I'll say you you asked me kind of a two-parted question. I think they're going to build the human innovation complex first. What I would like for them to build first is the softball stadium. They got to build it. It will be fantastic. Oklahoma State, the program is there. I can't wait to see that. I'm personally very selfishly excited to also see what they do to the Cowboy basketball wing of things. I, I think that'll really – enhance the uh official visits i think they even mentioned that it'll enhance like donor visits and things like that so a new headquarters so to speak will be great but again i'm i'm betting it's like 2040 by the time all of this is like done so and i don't know if you've been to like university of arkansas recently dustin when i saw this that's what this reminded me of is the way they've done their athletic village it looks amazing it's it's truly phenomenal It's a cool campus. Yeah. At Arkansas. It's really yep. cool. Yep. Hey, I, I know you, we talked off air. We weren't going to go like into detail on every little thing. We just kind of wanted to hit the high points because if you want details on everything, they've already done a video podcast basically with Chad Weiberg on it, where everybody was asking questions and you guys can go check that out. Kate and I, I, we could go through it all, but it would just be boring, I think, if we did that. So we just wanted to hit the high points. Kind of Chad gets paid to do it. So move listen on. to him yeah. do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, other football notes, Cade. If you haven't checked out the Brian Nardo OSU Max interview, I would suggest doing that. I believe it's free for everybody. You don't have to have the subscription. Not a lot of notes in there that you and I haven't hit on because we mentioned all the articles that we read about it and how he didn't know it was an interview at first and all the, all those we've already hit those. So we won't rehash them, but he seems like a really cool guy, very enthusiastic. I think he's going to kill as a recruiter, but I didn't have any true notes on that Kate. I just wanted to bring it up and mention that any Oklahoma state football fan needs to check that out. Uh, They absolutely do. One of the cool uh, quotes on that, I think was the, the one that OSU put out on Twitter and he was talking about what success looks like to him. I won't steal the line because I think you need to go see it. What's cool about guys like that is it's like there are lessons you can apply to other things than football when you hear that. Like if you're a manager of, of teams, if you're a leader of people, you hear something like that and you're like, ooh, that's good. I I'm, I might write that on my whiteboard today. Uh, so I, I can see why Mike Gundy, a guy who believes in stuff like that, met Brian Nardo and was like, Oh yeah, you're the guy. I can see what how that happened now. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I definitely could see Gundy and Nardo talking for what I think they said 5 hours. I could see it going way yeah. longer than that. Yeah. But, 100%. Um other football news, we mentioned this Kate as a rumor because we didn't have it confirmed on a previous podcast, but former Oklahoma State wide receiver David Glidden is going to be back with Oklahoma State as an offensive analyst. He was previously at Memphis where he was, I believe, working with wide receivers for the past two years. He was a tight end coach, and he was an offensive quality control coach there. That was after his time, if you remember, with the Atlanta Falcons. I think he got a couple of 
cameos on hard knocks during that as well when when the falcons were on it so david glidden will be back i think that's awesome he brings a lot of experience i think he's a young up-and-comer i wouldn't think he would stick around very long as an analyst because he probably wants to get back into the coaching game since that's a position coaching game since that's what he was doing but he'll definitely be helping out casey dunn with the wide receivers along with him stan eggen new defensive analyst work primarily with the defensive line and coach greg richmond He's a 43-year coaching veteran that recently worked at the University of Arizona as a coach, uh, coaching the defensive line. He's been at New Mexico, Iowa State, Louisiana Tech, Texas A&M, Bama, TCU, all over the place in his 43 years coaching. So that'll be cool. Apparently, he's a big-time X's and O's and technique guy, so that'll be helpful to have somebody in there with Coach Richmond. And then a new quality control coach on the defense, Casey McHugh. He was previously a graduate assistant working with the linebackers at Old Dominion, and he played quarterback in Division Three during his playing career. So some new faces on the coaching staff. You know, those weren't probably the coaching changes that a lot of the fans were wanting, <laughs> but those are some new names. Got some new guys on defense, and then David Glidden on the offense. So I, I think it's all, my favorite part is having David Glidden back. I would love for him to become – a position coach at Oklahoma State. I love when the players come back, and I thought he was a really solid player in his time here. Yeah, we should have hyped this segment up as coaching change uh, alert. Like we we should have done it up and then broke that news. That would have been pretty pretty awesome. And that's we called trolling. Yeah, our listeners would have really appreciated that. But Glidden coming back is phenomenal. Uh, you love to see a guy coming back that has had spent time and and the fans know who he is. That's fantastic. And Stan Egan looks like a football guy. You just need guys like that walking around your sideline. So that's that's I my take on it. I think, too, we'd heard some rumors that Coach Greg Richmond, he's an awesome coach, an amazing recruiter, That, but he maybe took a step back without having Joe Bob there kind of working with him as an older kind of mentor coach. So I think it's nice having egg in there. I know he won't be yeah. on field as an analyst, but just to kind of help out coach Richmond a little bit, because you got to remember coach Richmond's still a really young coach and a guy sure. that you and I love and know his recruiting prowess. So it's great to see he'll have somebody to kind of lean on technique and X's and O's wise and continue on his trajectory up through the coaching ladder in college football. Yeah, 100%. I, I'm excited to see what that does. And and phenomenal point on the uh, Richmond, Joe Bob kind of dynamic there and then the lack thereof once they they separate position groups. That's it's a really good point and not something that I think most people are thinking about at this point. So, so spring practice-wise, work still continuing through the offseason. I saw Robert Allen write on Pokes report that it seems that things are starting to click a little bit with the defensive guys going through their walkthroughs. Now they're in the fourth week of doing those. So that's pretty awesome. I know Anthony Goodlow and Justin Wright have both mentioned that this scheme is very similar to the one they ran with Joseph Gillespie when he was at Tulsa, who's now at TCU. So they'll probably be helping out the other players, especially since they're veteran guys themselves. So that's pretty awesome. And then Cade, Big news that you know I really enjoy, and I know you do as well, because it kind of helps us with our depth chart stuff. Yes, <laughs> I won't. I won't bring it up on this podcast. But the spring roster has been released. Kate, do you not think it's weird that when they release this roster, they don't like? Maybe it's just me that thinks this is weird, but they don't like announce it at all. Yeah, it's like, just there. 
it's you just a shadow look release. one day and it's there. Yeah, it's, it's very of, strange. It is strange because I think there's a lot of people like you and me waiting for that moment to see who's there, who may not be there, new numbers. I would agree with you. I think it's probably more more of an event than people realize. So I, I don't know why they do it that way. Yeah, it, it's really, it's a little odd. I, they've always done that. You just normally see somebody say, hey, Spring Ross. I think I saw Cody Nagel from 247 say it, and I was like, oh, nice. Right. So I went on there. I put a little Twitter thread out of some of the things that stuck out to me, Cade, and I kind of wanted to go through a few of those right now with you. So the first thing, kind of a little lighter note, but still cool, the number changes. So we've got Jaden Nixon. He was formerly number 23 at running back. He's now going to be number three. Jaden Bray went wide receiver, went from 85 to number five. Cameron Epps, the defensive back playing corner, he went from number 23 to number seven. Lane Green, wide receiver, went from number 28 to number eight. And Jeff Robertson, linebacker, went from number 45 to number 22. Cade, your favorite number change there. Can I actually answer that by asking you, what do you think my favorite one is? I think I think you're going to like Jaden Nixon going from 23 to 3. Ooh, you had the first name right. Jaden Bray from 85 to okay. 5. I knew it was going to be one of the single digit is... changes from the higher number. Mm, chef's kiss so solid you don't see a whole lot of number five receivers and a guy of Jaden Bray's size oh he's gonna look fantastic in that I can't wait yeah I love all the number changes I like playing green and eight and that kind of leads me to my next point Cade position changes Blaine Green along with all of the other cowboy backs I'm doing quotation marks have changed positions because the cowboy back is no longer listed on the roster. It has been separated into tight ends and fullbacks. So your position changes are Blaine Green moving from cowboy back to wide receiver. Sometimes, Cade, the rumors we hear are correct because we had him at X in our depth hmm. chart that we How released. That? Uh, Maybe not always. Normally we're wrong. But Tabry Shetron, cowboy back to tight end. Quentin Stewart, cowboy back to tight end. Jake Schultz going from cowboy back to fullback. Luke McIndoe, cowboy back to fullback. Braden Casty, cowboy back to fullback. Cade, I don't want to toot my own horn twice within 30 seconds, but that is how I had them broken out on that depth chart. So just hey, I'll do it for you. I'll give you a slow clap too, because you nailed it. <laughs> and you nailed it months ago when you said that that was probably going to happen. And then not only that, you also perfectly nailed who was going where <laughs> so i think the only truly, one i might have had wrong no no i just looked yeah, i had quentin no. stewart as tight end i was trying to figure out where i had quentin stewart at i had him at tight I end i just i just wanted to give you these flowers that i'm handing to you right this second so nicely done yeah so i'm smart and that's the only <laughs> time i'll give myself flowers probably because normally i get everything wrong so, so i just wanted to call that out that's going to be huge news for so many people. And and really, it's huge news for all of us. But for the subset of the fan base that was calling for every cowboy back to never – they were so done with the cowboy back, it was unbelievable. This is hopefully a welcome sight. It might even, Dustin, I don't want to steal your thunder on this, 
It might even preclude some of the changes we've been talking about in terms of scheme personnel. You, This might be the first shoe to drop. Oh, 100%. I think it almost guarantees things are changing. The fact that the coaches went out of the way to split that up on the roster. So it's it's very interesting to see. I believe Coach McIndoo is still listed as tight end slash cowboy backs coach. I need to go confirm that, but he is, it does have a tight end by it now, which I don't think it did previously. So very interesting. Um, we're going to definitely break down the depth chart in more detail when it gets a little bit closer to the spring podcast, which will be the one I come back from, I believe. So I think they start spring practice on March 21st. Yeah. So, Kate, a couple other just interesting notes. According to the roster, roster, I have a list of the people who aren't going to be there for spring, the newcomers. So, Ceci Vailahi, Va- I always say that really weird, but the running back, Jalen Pope and Tyke Andrews and Cameron Hurd, those three wide receivers, they will all not be here until the summer, fall time. Uh, Magia, the offensive lineman, along with Stanilin, the other offensive lineman, Jaden Foreman, Ricky Lolahia, K. Isawune, Poesa Utu, RJ Lester, Dylan Smith, Cam Franklin, and Adam Luntz, boy, Tywin Ray Jr. All those guys are not in early enrollees according to the spring roster. So that's interesting. And then Cade, some sad news. Ben Kapinski and Logan Nobles are no longer on the roster. And Robert Allen confirmed on his radio show that after the recent walkthroughs, Ben Kapinski has decided to step away from football and go ahead and graduate and move on with his life. I don't think he liked his fit in the new scheme, but apparently the door is still open if he wants to come back. So I, I don't know exactly much details on that aspect, but as of right now, Ben Kapinski is no longer with the team. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought about you when I saw that. And then obviously when it came across the Twitter thread, knew how disappointed you'd be. And I think Kapinski was a guy that might've flown under the radar, no matter how much you and I talked about him, no matter how much he was discussed by other outlets. I, I think a, a guy like that may be somebody you miss, but it's not unimaginable when you factor in a guy like Colin Oliver, potentially moving to linebacker, Anthony Goodlow taking that spot. It might've been hard for Kapinski to see where he fits in. I respect that respect, get graduating, calling it a career. A great story last year, a guy that really came out of nowhere. So he should be proud of that. And and hopefully, uh, you know, maybe if that door is open, it stays open for long enough. But uh, yeah, if not, wish the best to him. So. Yeah. And kid, we'll get way more into the roster and depth chart. Like I said, on some podcasts, I get a little closer to that March 21st date. I did want to note the last thing on spring football. Pokes report put out a little table of the big 12 schools and their spring football start date and their spring game date. And they show Oklahoma state as no spring game under the spring game date column. So maybe our conspiracy theory has some truth to it. I mean, if we start the football off season two and two with all of these predictions, what does that mean for the rest of the season? Because from cowboy back to no spring game, it's only up from there. (laughs) Yes. We're just we're just moving up. We're going positive now after the basketball part. We're just hey, let me let me upward and upward. Yeah, let me let me get on my soapbox. New uniforms. I'm gonna call my shot right now. That's the third one that's coming. 
I love that. I, I think I'm I'm with you. I'm backing you on that. Okay, sounds good. And and we'll delete that part if it doesn't happen. So, <laughs> okay, a couple quick recruiting notes. The dead period ended yesterday, so that means that coaches will be able to make contact with the prospects again, and the recruits will be able to make campus visits. That being said, TJ Lindsay, the three star from Bryant, Arkansas, 6'5", 276-pound defensive end, is going to be visiting this weekend, and so is Devin Jordan, not-rated cornerback from Tulsa Union. So both of those guys, maybe some more, those are the two that I saw were going to be here this weekend. And then a couple of offers got sent out in 2024. Cornerback Jalen Crawford from Lilburn, Georgia. He's a four-star, foot one seventy. He's got 26 offers huge schools on that list. I think he would be an awesome get. I think Oklahoma State's getting in a little late on him. 2024 Bentonville, Arkansas wide receiver, CJ Brown. He's a three-star, 6'1", 185. He's got some good offers, but I think Oklahoma State can definitely make a, a play there. It's Arkansas, Kansas State, Purdue, UNLV, schools like that. Uh, another 20, The last 2024 offer, offensive tackle Robert Burden. From Collierville, Tennessee, he's not rated 6'6", 292 pound. He's also a lacrosse player, which is pretty interesting. I think he'll get a rating soon because he's got multiple offers. Not from not a ton of huge schools in there, but he's got, I think, like 18 offers right now. And then a few 2025 offers. Outside linebacker, edge rusher, Max Granville from Fort Bend Christian. He's not rated at this time. And uh, Kansas defensive end prospect Jaden Woods, again, not rated 6'3", 220 pounds. So some offers went out, got some guys coming in to visit. The dead period's done. Recruiting will start picking back up visit-wise. So we should see, we should have some notes for you every podcast kind of going forward now. Yeah, it's always nice to see this influx of activity as the uh, as the offseason keeps going but there's always this recruiting news going on so uh it's nice to see i'm curious to see where the focus is going to be last year it seemed to be a preferred walk-on program on the offensive line as they take 55 offensive linemen or whatever it ended up being i'm curious to see where they go this year is it defensive line or are they going to have a focus uh on skill talent what's that going to look like is always something i'm interested in because the focus does seem to I think the end goal stays the same, but the focus sometimes shifts from year to year in terms of just the way the roster shakes up. So, yeah, no, I agree. Kate, I did want to mention one thing before we move to baseball, kind of back on the spring thing. It was a note that I forgot to hit the super seniors. So that for sure have no eligibility left going into this season are Xavier Benson, Alan Bowman, Braden Cassidy, Elijah Collins, Ian Edenfield, Anthony Goodlow, Alex Hale, Josiah Johnson, and Nathan Latou. Everyone else actually could still use their COVID year, including wow. the offensive linemen like Birmingham, Wilson, and those guys. So I thought that was really interesting. Also, Robert Allen mentioned on his radio show that the super seniors are kind of being treated like the some some schools treat like the preferred walk-ons and they're actually getting their scholarships taken care of by nil money so i thought oh, that wow. was pretty interesting too so i don't know if it's all of them but some of them it sounds like are getting taken care of by nil money which i think means they're not counting towards the 85 scholarship limit which also makes sense now that my scholarship count is different than folks reports <laughs> because i didn't know that 
I forget that we had that ongoing anomaly in our notes. Uh, that's that's a fantastic point, and not something I think I even ever considered as as a possibility in this new world of college football. So uh, that's good to know. Yeah, and I shouldn't have brought that up right now because you and I could probably both go for a long time on figuring out how that dynamic works and how it affects other things. I had several hey, questions I mean, when I heard if that. If you but... want to go over the depth chart, we could just stop recording right now and talk about it. We can always do that. No, no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stop. I'm trying to get better. I'm, I'm yeah, trying to, trying to get clean uh, off the depth <laughs> chart. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. Hey, should we move into baseball? I think we should Dustin, before we flip to the diamond though, I do want to take a quick break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. Check out Homefield Apparel's new Oklahoma State line. I don't know if you have. I know Dustin and I both are rocking the new Homefield Apparel shirts that have just gone live on their website at homefieldapparel.com. I mean, the Curse of Cowboys across the chest is absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if you guys have seen the Pistol Patty t-shirt, but it is great as well. And Homefield Apparel is doing phenomenal stuff, even outside of Oklahoma State sports. If you go on their website right now, you can see potential future Big 12 members, Colorado, with a throwback t-shirt on their website. I'm just a big fan of Homefield stuff, and the quality is unbelievable. So check them out at homefieldapparel.com. And when you use our promo code feels 12 you actually will get a discount. That's right. Feels 12. We'll get you 15% off your first order when you use our promo code feels 12 at homefieldapparel.com. Check them out right now and tell them that the feels like 45 podcast. Sent you. Okay. So <laughs> things are interesting with Cowboy baseball. I think is probably the, the way I would say it. The nice thing about it is they're winning games. We talked about the Loyola Marymount series as one you'd like to sweep. You might drop one. That's exactly what happened. A tough week night game against Missouri State. They get the win. But Dustin, here's what I think the storyline is. The bats come alive. Okay. And the pitching might be the problem we thought it could be. Maybe. Well, it's just, I think it's a, almost like you're talking about with basketball, a little inconsistent. So, like you said, they won three of four since we last talked because we were able to talk about that Cal Baptist game. So one to zero against Loyola Marymount on Friday. Ain't no hitter. Come back. Ain't no hitter. <laughs> yes. Then they come back on, on Saturday and lose eight to 10 in extra innings. Then they run rule Loyola Marymount on Sunday, 11 to one in seven innings. Then the Missouri State game, and we know Missouri State can hit home runs. We yeah. saw what happened last year. They beat Missouri State 12-10 on what looked like was going to be a loss going. I think they were down 5-0 to zero heading into the 5th or 6th, yeah. and they were able to come back and win. So to your point, there's some inconsistency with some of the pitchers because you see Jansen Kiesel go out in his first appearance and just light the world on fire. Then he starts the Missouri State game on Tuesday and it's several home runs hit off of him. You saw Watts Brown, who looked not not himself in that in that Missouri game, and then he comes back against Cal Baptist and pitches amazing. So yep. it's just I'm not sure. Or sorry, against Loyola Marymount on the Friday game, it pitches amazing. So I think it's just some inconsistency from the pitching staff. But the bats, I mean, 
eight runs, 11 runs, 12 runs in consecutive games. Yeah. They have come completely alive. And some of the back end of the, the bottom of the order has actually yeah. hit pretty well. Miola, Marcus Brown, Chase Atkinson, they're going to start having to catch him more over Doherty because all he does is hit. I think he's batting like 500 and something right now. Well, I think one of the guys that has, has blown me away is Nolan Schubert. The true freshman just hits bombs. So it's kind of like the what, other day. Yeah, it's what he does. Two home runs the other day. I think I already had one uh, in a previous game. I, I think he's up to three this year, if I'm not mistaken. But a guy that steps in, he's in the five hole and does a phenomenal job and, and produces in that way, I think is one of the guys potentially, and it's early and he's a true freshman, but can fill in maybe one of those roles that's left from a – I hesitate to say Jake Thompson, but you get where I'm going. His production up to this point has been encouraging, and you hope to see that continue. And the pitching, as as much as I included it in, in definitely a lower tier of concern, they've got two no-hitters. They're the first team in Big 12 history to throw two consecutive no-hitters. So to me, I think that's a story. And then let's figure out maybe maybe we can give up a few hits and a few runs rather than no hitters and twelve <laughs> runs. Maybe that would be my only request. Yeah, I agree. I, some of my key takeaways. So OSU is at number twelve right now on D one baseball's top twenty five. They're five and three. They've got Austin P this weekend in Stillwater, and then they've got Arizona State next Tuesday and Wednesday in Stillwater. Just a little two game midweek series. Those are, those are always odd. I would expect one of those games to have like 800 pitchers and end like 14 to 15 or something like that. But my takeaway is Atkinson's batting 563 with a 611 on base percentage. Through with, That's only on 16 at-bats. But Brueggemann, who's come in and been the DH, he's the transfer, the JUCO transfer. He's batting 455 in his 11 at-bats. And then Miola, Schubert, and Mendham are all hitting above 340, and all of them have 24 or more at bats. McLean's average doesn't look great at the plate, but he's already taken 14 walks, which is absolutely absurd. Really, it's been guys like Riggio, who's I think batting around 260 right now. Some of the bigger names that aren't hitting well, you know, Zach Earhart, who at Tom Dorado said he's dealing with a sore shoulder. He hasn't been in the line of the past three games. He only has three hits so far this season through those first four games. So it's some of the names that you would expect to be hitting your Riggio's, your Earhart's, your McLean's that aren't, and your Miola's, your Schubert's, your, I mean, Mendham's the guy we expect to hit, but your Miola's, your Schubert's, your Atkinson's are the guys getting your hits. Yeah, no, no question, Dustin. And that's, I think, what's going to, potentially push them over the edge later into this season. Like if they're going to have the season they want to, the lineup's going to need to be deeper than Riggio, McLean, and and maybe a, 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 a Mendham. They're going to need production lower in the lineup, but it's been nice to see it. Your boy Marcus Brown has had a great start to the year as well, something that they'll need to continue to uh, to expand upon, no question. Yeah, he had that one error at short early on, and I don't think he's had one since. Him and him and Miola have been amazing. Riggio's had a few errors, but he still he makes the plays to make up for it. I think the question mark's going to be if Earhart is out for a long time, 
can McLean play center field in a rate that we haven't really gotten to see it yet because he hasn't played a lot of center just the one game against Loyola Marymount I think maybe the maybe he played it for two of those games but can McLean play center we know Carson Binge can play right I love having Carson Binge bat in the lineup but if Earhart's out for extended period of time you know, you're coming off Caden Trinkle in center field, who's one of the best right. center fielders Oklahoma State's had. Right. So can McLean live up to that if he has to play out there? And then other than that, outside of Stevens, O'Toole, and, you know, at times Drew Blake, who's going to be great out of the bullpen? And not counting yeah. McLean, who's obviously the closer. Stevens and O'Toole have been amazing. I thought Brandon Phillips looked great in his comeback outing, the young lefty. He struggled in globe life he came back and pitched amazing so we'll see but Kate, those are really all the notes i had i i think they're trending up right now cowboy baseball it feels like it right sweep this weekend and just kind of see how that goes but if you get three wins this weekend i think you're feeling real good yeah and man this is a really good stretch for them they they are at home for their next one two three four five six seven eight nine ten games Austin P, Arizona State, Utah Tech, and a, and a Tuesday night game against Dallas Baptist. They are in Obrey Stadium for the next two weeks and some change. So that's, this is a big opportunity for them. I do think they are trending up. Utah Tech's logo, by the way, if, if anybody's curious, looks exactly like it says lit. So if, if I was on the creative team, I would have pointed that out. But it's, it's neither here nor there. Where Justin Kirkland's uh, from. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's absolutely right. It's actually the first thing I thought about. But it's a good time to get out to a bright. Obviously, the weather's been phenomenal in Central Oklahoma uh, lately. So uh, we're not going to do weather talk. We we try to avoid that. But oh, I thought we were. <laughs> fact of the matter is, uh, they are trending up, and it looks looks good for Cowboy baseball right now. But Dustin, I mean, let's get to softball, right? The Cowgirl softball team is on fire right now. So they they were at the Troy Cox Classic in uh, La Cruz, New Mexico. They win 12 to 1 against New Mexico in five innings. They beat Nebraska 3 to 1. They play CSU Bakersfield and beat them 11 to 0 in five innings. They beat New Mexico State 13 to 0 in five innings. And then they played UTEP outside of the Troy Cox Classic. That was actually in El Paso. One of the windiest games I've ever seen. And Maybe one of the ugliest stadium backdrops I've ever seen at El, El Paso. <laughs> they win that game 10 to 6. They're back this weekend in Stillwater for the first time. They got Maine, Missouri, South Dakota State, Tarleton State, and then South Dakota State again. And then the next weekend, they're back in Stillwater taking on Florida State in that three game series that everybody's talking about. But, Cade, my main takeaway the bats are so hot right now. It's. You just you think everybody's going to hit a home run every time they go up there. Becker's batting five seventy nine. She's yeah. your everyday starter at second. They've already played fourteen games and she's batting five seventy nine. Becker, Edwards, Naomi, Carwell, and Factor have all batted thirty five or more times and they're all batting above four hundred. Lot and McDonald are batting. Their batting averages are insane, but they're on way fewer at bats. Every starter, every the people that have started the majority of the games in this starting lineup, all of them are batting above 300. Dustin, they have scored 10 or more runs in eight of their last nine games. And the game that they didn't score 
was a three to one win against Nebraska. So they've shown that they can win in multiple ways at that point, which is super interesting. And then you look at Texas A&M, that's another one right on that outlier. They just won eight, nothing. And it was a six inning game. So Cowgirl softball is dominating right now. 13 and one record uh, continues to be uh, among the best in the country and, and proving it week in and week out. Another test, I would say, against Missouri, but it's a test that they've answered, you know, day in and day out as they face ranked teams in Virginia Tech, Louisiana, Michigan, uh, and now they've got one coming to Stillwater in Missouri this coming week. And, Kate, I think the only kind of odd thing that happened this weekend, so the bats, we've seen the bats. My question at the beginning of the season was the power. We've seen that from Naomi. We've seen that from Morgan Wynn. We've seen that from Michaela Wark. Morgan Wynn, by the way, completely turning around her season, flipping back, flipping back the clock to how flipping she played back. at Kansas because she was amazing at Kansas, one of the top home run hitters in the country, struggled last season, and now she's batting like 353. I think she's the leader in home runs on the team or first or second. She's been awesome when she's played some first base. She's mainly been the DP. But Michaela Work. Another Kansas transfer has also been amazing at first base. They have a combined zero errors. Yeah, that'll work. The, the fielding's been flawless. Back to my point, the fielding has been flawless. Rosenberry, Kilfoyle, and Acock have looked great on the mound, which was a, another one of our question marks, the pitching behind Maxwell. The only question I had coming out of these, the Troy Classic games and the UTEP game, is I don't know what exactly was going on with Kelly Maxwell, but that was the first time in a long time we've seen her struggle against UTEP. Now, it was super windy. It was just kind of a weird game coming off the New Mexico series and then just making a road trip to El Paso. But she looked a little off. Kenny Gajewski said she doesn't exactly have her stuff right now. Teams are attacking her a little bit different. He thinks she'll be able to figure it out. Obviously, she's still – her stats right now, you'd think – the way I'm talking, you would think she's got like <laughs> right, a right, right. ERA. She's been amazing. But just if she can shore some things up, I'd love to see her come out in her next start and just dominate. If that happens, I don't know what's stopping this team from winning at all, truly. Yeah, you you don't you don't see a whole lot of five earned runs given up by Kelly Maxwell. I would expect – that that's an anomaly. I would I would not think that you see a whole lot more of that anytime soon or this the for the remainder of this year. Especially, I think this team's got a lot of momentum. I'm going to pick and say the bats are going to push the pitching at this point because I don't think you're going to need even her best. I think if you get this type of production from the bats. You need Kelly Maxwell to just do what she does. She doesn't need to go throw no hitters, but she can go out there and be unbelievably effective. So um, I do think that there's there's a happy medium. And I love what you said there. I don't know what's stopping them either. The only thing I could think of is another team in this state who just rolled UCLA, number one in the country, but they've also lost the game. So who really knows at this point? Yeah, I think, Cade, my my last note was the reason why Kilfoyle hasn't been batting. You know, th there was talk that she would kind of step into that Miranda Ellis role, pitcher and batter. She, I think it's kind of messed her up, like mechanics-wise, made her a little sore trying to bat and pitch. So Kenny Gajewski said she'll just be pitching from now on, but they don't really need her bat at this time yeah. with how Morgan Wynn and Lott and some of these other DPs have been hitting. 
it's a it's a, a a good thing to have and a luxury to uh, not need a, a bat like that. So we'll see how things go. But obviously, you'd like to see her back in 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 full form. So, Dustin, it's phenomenal. Obviously, a good weekend in Stillwater coming up. Are you going to get up to any games? Don't think I'm going to this weekend since I'll be out of town all next weekend. Oh, that's, next that's, weekend. that's fair. Yeah, but I would I would love to if I wasn't. It looks like it yeah. may be a little cold this weekend too. Yeah, it might be. It looks like it's going to warm up next weekend, though. And a three-game homestand against Florida State might be a hot ticket. So uh, definitely would encourage folks to get out there. But, Dustin, I think that's it on that. Are we ready to move into questions? Yeah, let's do it. I think we just have two, and I think I might have answered okay. one of them already. Okay, sounds uh, good. We can we can get it pulled up here. I can cue up any uh, elevator music if you need it. No, the first one is uh, from Matt Claxton at Road Crew One. Thanks, Matt, for always asking questions. You're always sending in good ones. This was a question I had myself. He said, is Earhart just sitting due to his performance the first weekend, or is there some kind of injury? I literally had the exact same question, Matt, and Tom Dorado said on the radio that he believes he has a sore shoulder, so I don't think it's from performance, but it's a great point because he's really struggled at the plate. So, it sounds like a sore shoulder. I don't know when he'll be back. Sometimes shoulders can linger. And that's why I brought up the point about Ken McLean, be your everyday center fielder. I think he can. He's athletic enough. He's got the arm, but we'll see. Yeah. It it's it's interesting, but I'm I'm with you. If if it's a sore shoulder, he'll be back in no time. And I think he's probably too good to keep sitting anywhere for any short amount of time or any extended amount of time, I should say. He's also got a good bat. I think you 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 need him healthy and need him out there. Our guy, Zach Pogue. Thanks, Zach, for sending this in. That's a friend of the pod right there. He's at Pogolo. He says, what is your favorite part of the new athletic facilities plan besides a new softball field? I said softball when we were talking about it. So I'll go with... I'll go, for our guy Lee. I'll go I, with the wrestling training facility. I, I thought if we didn't say wrestling, that our our boy Lee, friend of the pod, might disown us, and uh, <laughs> we we wouldn't want any of that to happen. So I'll say wrestling as well, and I'll I'll give that its flowers. That's long overdue, right? Like John Smith didn't 100%. say that in the video, but and he even was kind of like bashful about the impact of a new wrestling facility. He mentioned how hard work effort grit is always going to get it done but a, a room is nice to have i think was was a a quote around kind of what he was getting at but it's going to help them out tremendously they they needed that upgrade 15 years ago yeah i completely agree kid, kid i think that's i think that's all i had you know there's some other great stuff going on wrestling this weekend in the big 12s be sure to check that out i think it's all on espn plus Women's indoor track won the Big 12 championship for the first time. I think the men finished second. Cowboy golf and cowgirl golf are both starting into their spring season. So keep your eye on all that stuff. Cowgirl basketball, you know, is playing really well right now. So a bunch of stuff to check out. Kate, I don't really have anything left. I know this pod was a little bit shorter, I think, than we normally go. But just once until we really get into the meat of football or unless basketball goes on a run, there's not as much to talk about. Hey, hey, you, if you don't need us rambling for two hours in your life every week, then some of you may be appreciative of the break <laughs> that we're giving your ears. 
Uh, and I, I mean, hey, we can sit on here. We can we can crack some more jokes if if we need to do that and fill some airwaves. But we can we, will, we can circle back to the NIL for the COVID super seniors. We can geek out on that. We didn't talk depth chart, so if send us some feedback, let us know if you need more depth chart talk. We'd be happy to do something like that. But no, Dustin loved it as always, um, and thank you for the rundown on everything going around in Cal. Uh, Cal uh, Oklahoma State Athletics, I should say. So, Dustin, appreciate it as always. If you're not already, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Feels Like 45 Pod. You can follow Dustin at DustRagu, and you can follow me at Cade Webb. We'll see you guys back here next week. Let's hope Oklahoma State gets a huge win in Lubbock. Go, folks. We'll see you then.